And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Do you guys remember when Elizabeth Warren, uh, to show that she was just a normal gal, uh, was drinking a beer for some, yeah. was it a commercial, Johnny? Yeah, well, it's like a fake commercial at her house, right? Uh, yes. Okay, I just got an email from someone who I trust implicitly. This is this is amazing, and I haven't heard anything about this, which leads me to believe uh, we'd have to give it the we don't know that. Okay. All right? But I don't see why not. I'm looking at it. New Year's Day featured Elizabeth Warren going live on Instagram in order to build her brand. Warren has announced her 2020 candidacy for the office of president. The camera shot featured her kitchen as she drank a beer. The better to seem more relatable to middle-class voters. Sharp-eyed observers deconstructed the appearance of her kitchen background, however, and turned up the type of ceramic figurine that would immediately doom a conservative candidate. No word yet from Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton. What do you think they found? Look, here's the picture of her. I can see it. Right. I know what it is. It's a black. Is it Aunt Jemima? It's a, it's a, a characterized black figurine eating a watermelon. Oh, my God. Oh. Are you kidding me? There it is. You can see it. Look for yourself. I want to see if anybody's it's isolated. That right there, Rook, in the middle. The left one. The left picture. Yep. Or she's yeah. swigging. Yep. And behind her, on the top of her cabinets, are some doodads. Knickknacks. Uh, knickknacks. One of them being this, this stereotypical black person gnawing on watermelon. Are you yeah. kidding me? There it, yeah, there it is. <laughs> well, Why isn't that? Oh, has anyone God. not brought that up? I this is the first I've heard of it. Me too. But I mean, we're we're being asked now to believe our own eyes. Isn't that what we're seeing? Huh? Yes. It sure looks like it. Wow. Yeah, there's some bad comments on there. There's too. some comments on the phone. Some bad too. comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I think you're bring. I've never. I haven't seen or heard about this, but. If that was on a, uh, it's the kind of doodad no no self respecting person would own, right? <laughs> it's just I don't Here care who okay, you somebody are. Somebody did highlight it, but nobody zoomed in on it. Well, it's circled wow. there. Yes, here's me drinking a beer. Boy, oh boy, what I a, can't. I, a, 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 will uh, there be fallout? I, I do have a follow up here All from right. Snopes. Yeah. Uh, they have a closer picture. Apparently, the figurine is an ordinary reproduction of a Greek urn, it says. B as in B, S as in S, not what I'm being look, looking at. Here's a, here's a close-up of... Uh, they're saying it's that right there. Uh, well, that you, one. You tell me. Well, it looks what? like... What? It does look like the same thing that's there, but... It's uh, kind of hard to tell because of the distance of the Elizabeth Warren video. Oh, okay. So there's a... Oh, you know, it could be. Huh. Let, let's assume she isn't that impossibly stupid. All right? <laughs> yes. 
Do you think somebody photoshopped this into the into oh. our? Oh, well, um, because the one you're looking at there, Rook, yeah, is different than the one I'm being shown in this email. Well, this. <clears throat> I don't no. think that this this figurine on my right, on the right there, is not the figurine. That's just another um, picture of one. I don't think it's that. I, they didn't zoom in on that one. That's a different picture, yeah. That's right. not from, from there. Because that's not the same color background. Well, what what must have been accepted? Well, of course, you can't trust the news gatherers. She fits the template right down to the fact that she even claims she's a Native American, which she's not. Uh, but the news gatherers... Would not have ignored this, no, for its well, clickbait potential. This started, they would not have ignored this. This, right. this started with somebody who I I don't trust. So, oh, it started with Tommy Lauren, who drives me crazy. The uh, conservative uh, gal, LeBlanc. she the gal who uh, got in trouble here eating lunch with her mom, got the water yes. thrown at yeah, her. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm getting to that point in life too, Johnny, where I see the source of something uh-huh. or the website, and I automatically discount it. Yeah. Um, I did when I they were floating. So pic- somebody's fooled me pretty good here. Well, they were also floating pictures of Bill Clinton and Hillary in blackface. I went to Snopes, yeah, and that, that picture is not, not true. It's not right. true. Not true. It uh, wouldn't have surprised me, given their their the age and, uh, and right. The, you know, Billy being that Southern whipsnapper that he is. The picture I showed you, Joe, actually is pictures from her kitchen cabinets mm-hmm. uh the big the the enlarged picture mm-hmm. uh that they their press secretary went and took this picture to show to other people so i'm well, guessing it's the greek urn it would appear all right what what does the greek urn look like uh it's here i can show you oh. it doesn't look like uh, uh no somebody way. eating watermelon i don't think that's uh, the that's not what johnny's showing me greek urn okay yeah, whatever you get what I mean, though? The news gatherers would not have protected her on this no, because this no. would have been too much uh, for them to have resisted. You know what else she has after you look at all the knickknacks? She's got a lot of junk. She's got a theme problem. Yeah, she does. She has a theme problem. She's not a lot of color coordination going on no. up there. No. Yeah. Clean your counters. You think she's drinking <laughs> a Sam Adams? No, I don't think so. Well, she's Massachusetts, so oh, that's, that's why, I was, that's that's why I was asking. The, uh, well, that's superimposed <laughs> over there, the one on the right. I have to do an email roundup because I, I haven't done one for quite some time. Uh, Bill Stein up in Aiken writes, I took a fall on the ice and hurt my back. Oof. I'm slowly healing. While I have time to look out the window, I thought I would describe the feeding system we have here. Terry, that's Mrs. Uh, Billy. Terry fills the hanging bird feeders with various seed mixtures, and we, we hang corn cobs on a bungee system for the squirrels. They feed all day at dusk. The deer come in and clean up the corn left by the squirrels. Then the rabbits come in at night to feed on the seeds kicked out by the birds. And then the coyotes come in and eat the rabbits. An ecological system at its finest. <laughs> Good luck, Mr. Stein. Nice. All right. All right. Uh, this is from uh, uh, Barry Shackle, who uh, provides more Ilhan Omer information. Uh, showing uh, she He provided a link to a clip showing her uh, literally leaving uh, CNN's presence and microphone when they asked her about her anti-Semitism. Okay, I watched that. It seemed to be true. Uh, JC in Stone Lake, Wisconsin. I listen to the podcast regularly and have been a GLer for quite a spell. All this talk about people in blackface got me thinking, especially the story about the governor that said he used blackface to portray Michael Jackson for a contest. 
Didn't Michael Jackson have a medical procedure to lighten his skin color and even had a nose job to make his nose look smaller? Could Mr. Jackson be called out for portraying a white person if he were alive today? How would you rule? Good luck. Yes, Michael could have been accused of cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he ever was, was he? I don't think so. No. Uh, Probably not, you know. Uh, Oh, and Kelly uh, in Jacksonville, North Carolina. I have have to issue a ruling here. He said it's the opener. Cheers. Kelly in North Carolina. And then he included a screenshot of the temperature. It's 70 degrees down there. You you can't open your garage door. That's not how this works. You can do it, Kelly. Obviously, I would if I were you. But that does not constitute an official GarageLogic garage door opener. Correct. That has to be the first 70-degree day in spring. No, 70-degree Friday. I'm sorry. First 70-degree Friday. But haven't we always said in the spring? In other words, what if this Friday it got to be 70? No. Would we have the opener? We've had one before the first official day of spring, or in your eyes, summer. On a Friday? We've had one in March before. Well, for sure we would have had one in March of 2012, because uh, the golf course is opened St. Patrick's Day. It was the Friday before St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it was probably about 78 or 80. Rook's going to go get the official record. It's right on my desk there by the phone. But my, now we've oh boy we've opened a can of worms. Here we go. <laughs> the official Garage Logic garage door opener mm-hmm. is the first Friday in spring. Well, right? No, because if you're doing it, what day is St. Patrick's Day? The seventeenth, because that would have been well on March sixteenth, nineteen thirty is the current record. 71 degrees in 1930 for March 16th. I don't see anything from 2012 here in March, which was an extremely warm March. No temperature in March of 2012 established a high temperature record. Huh. That amazes me. All right. So we did not have one in the middle part of March. (laughs) Apparently not. Apparently not. I thought we did for sure. Uh, and Sanibel Jim uh, lamenting that it's only 80 on the Ooh. island uh, uh, provided a few headlines that caught his attention. Uh, among them, school bus drivers shot on Minneapolis Freeway. You call, recall that story from last yes, week? Sir. Reavers, yes. you weren't here. I know, but, but it made national news. I heard about Did it. Did you guys see the follow-up? Mm-hmm. That this guy was what also a involved? strange story. Very This strange. is the guy who shot a gangster dead at the foot of Summit Avenue. Remember that story? In 2016. He went down there, he said, to watch the blue moon. And he made the acquaintance of a gal who was there. Mm -hmm. And they were sitting there minding their own business, he said, when he was threatened by a masked masked gangster, a a kid named Broadbent, as it turns out. And according to, his name is Lily. Yep. The school bus crackpot from the other day, same guy from five years ago or whatever. He claims that this uh, gangster uh, threatened him with a gun to give up his belongings, at which point he said he took out his gun and shot the fellow, killing him. And he never was prosecuted. It was found to be justifiable. Mm-hmm. I wonder if people are now having second thoughts. 
For example, I remember talking about that case on the show. Mm-hmm. And we, I think generally speaking, we thought that the uh, that the young would-be gangster unfortunately got what was coming to him. He approached the wrong guy. Wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you got a gun out on a guy, how does the the guy you have the gun on then successfully get out his own gun and shoot you. Wouldn't you shoot him when you saw him reaching for his gun? No, because he probably thought he was reaching for his phone or his wallet. Oh, maybe. And not trusting, not uh, uh, anticipating the fact that he was armed. I have a question. Because so many people are not. Yeah. So why, why did he shoot the bus driver? What was his reason? He's do we going know to claim that he feared for his life because of a scrape, a fender bender scrape on the freeway when everyone was going two miles an hour and there was a tremendous uh, 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 traffic uh, clog up because of the uh, weather. And apparently he felt threatened. That's his claim. Uh, but you can't approach but the bus. But he went right around to the front of the bus and shot right through the front window. No, I, I'm not buying the, the guy's story this time. I, I think I bought his story. From years well, ago we all at, Summit in, at Summit in Mississippi. Yeah, we, we all did. Shadow Falls Park or whatever that's called. There's a monument there. Right. Uh, but I don't buy his story today that he felt threatened. Uh, if you felt threatened by the school bus, you know, get in your car and back up from it. Get wow. away from it. Wow. Uh, back to Let the... me finish with Sanibel. Oh, okay. uh, Sanibel's had a life in law enforcement. Uh, he says... This is among the headlines that he sent that have attracted his attention. School bus driver shot a Minneapolis freeway. And then parenthetically, Sanibel notes, how can anyone comment on this other than what the hell? But as a former law enforcement official, I am now suspicious of the events surrounding the shooting of the robber by the bus shooter. Meaning Sanibel's referring to the the discovery that this this shooter on the freeway was the same guy who shot that would-be robber back in... Uh, what, four years ago or 2016, so? 2016. 2016, yep. yeah. Uh, Friday, March 16th, 2012, the garage door opener temps in the high 70s, earliest ever, according to the show notes. Then Dave Dahl's records that he give, gave me are, have not been updated to include that day. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that what day we, did we open in nineteen uh, in 2012? The day before St. Patty's Mar- Day. March 16th. Yes. Wow. That's the earliest opener in Garage Logic history. Which yes. is technically still in winter. I don't what is the first day of March spring? March 21st. Okay. All right. Well, we I bet we counted that as the opener. Oh, yeah. Sure so then, yeah. you know what the real rule is then in Gumption County? The first 70 after mm-hmm. the first of the year. Mhm. Right? Yes. I'd root for it to be this Friday. Oh man, that'd be great. <laughs> Wouldn't bother me. <laughs> Well, but then the poor uh, letter writer to the Star Tribune wouldn't would have an issue with the melting snow. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that was a reference from last hour. I know. Uh, I, I only I brought that letter in because I can't compete anymore with that kind of <laughs> I know. with that kind of thinking. I just I just can't do it. I, I don't know how to reason with someone like that. But think about having a discussion on another For, topic. No, stop today. This. Gal, uh, who I would hope is not being inhibited and in making an income, she's going to probably miss a few lessons or whatever she does, and she's going to be blaming it on climate change. Mm-hmm. A- a- rather than accept the fact that, lady, you live in Minnesota, this is winter. You're having a, we could have a record snow in February this right. year. Uh, Monday, March 19th, mm-hmm. school calls St. Patrick's Day Old Green Day. That's what we were fighting for in 2012. Really? According to these show notes. They didn't want to call it St. Patrick's Day. They wanted to call it O Green Day. 
I bet that was manna from heaven on that radio Aren't show. Aren't you glad I brought in the show notes? Yeah, I'm very glad. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we uh, take a break, and I'll come back and tell you uh, uh, what we're fighting for today, or what was being fought for 50 years ago. All right? Have you noticed the consolidation happening to commercial insurance agencies today? This is Patrick Ricey for the Academy Group. The big just keep getting bigger and you and your business continue to get passed around until you become a dreaded house account. You have been consolidated. All of this was done to you without your control. Get options and take control of your company's insurance program. Have the Canopy Group help you gain a commercial insurance strategy that makes your business more attractive to the insurance industry. The more insurance companies that we can get interested in your business, the more competitive your pricing will be. If your business is renewing in January, February, or March and is paying less than $80,000 in premium, don't accept being a house account. Get the attention you deserve with the Canopy Group. Visit thecanopygroup.com or call 800-967-3389. 800-967-3389. Hey, this is Ozzy Osbourne. Stay tuned for more. Oh, no. Hey, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Joe. No, one more time. Hey, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Joe. Thanks, Oz. I see Oz was rushed to the hospital with flu-like symptoms. Oh, no. I hope you'll be be okay. Say, Chief Offsite Correspondent uh, Kelsey uh, provides uh, fascinating information, which is why he is the Chief Offsite Correspondent. Yes. He came up with a beauty. This is from the History Channel. Uh, There's no reason to doubt any of this. History.com. When Apollo 11's Eagle Lunar Module landed on the... Well, he prefaces it by saying, NASA was worried about offending the godless leftists even as far back as 50 years ago. Hmm. All right? So he's talking about the moon landing. Man, my voice sounds good today, doesn't it? You got the berries going. When Apollo 11's Eagle Lunar Module landed on the moon on July 20, 1969, so what, we're coming up on the 50th anniversary, aren't we, of the moon landing, astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin had to do something hard. Wait. They were scheduled to open the door of their lunar lander and step onto the unknown surface of a completely different world. But for now, their mission ordered them to take a pause before the big event. And so Aldrin spent his time doing something unexpected, something no man had ever attempted before. Alone and overwhelmed by anticipation, he took part in the first Christian sacrament ever performed on the moon, a rite of Christian communion. Huh. He brought it with him. He, you never heard of this, wow. did you? Never, no. never. I'm well, surprised. Well, never. you're going to learn why you never heard of this. Huh. Aldrin's lunar communion has since become shrouded in mystery and confusion, but the rite itself was relatively simple. The astronaut was also an elder at Webster Presbyterian Church, and before he headed into space in 1969, he got special permission to take bread and wine with him to space and give himself communion. Wow. Wow. Men had already prayed in space, but Aldrin was about to go one step further, literally and figuratively. Part of his mission was not just to land on the moon, but to walk on it. To prepare, he took communion after the Eagle Lunar Module landed on the moon's Sea of Tranquility during an hours-long downtime period designed to let the astronauts recover from their space flight and prepare for their moonwalk. 
The mood on the module was sober. Both Armstrong and Aldred knew how important their mission was. I was certainly aware that this was a culmination of the work of 300,000 or 400,000 people over a decade and that the nation's hopes and outward appearance largely rested on how the results came out, Armstrong recalled in an oral history. As the men prepared for the next phase of their mission, Aldrin got on the communication system and spoke to the ground crew on Earth. I would like to request a few moments of silence, he said. I would like to invite each person listening in, wherever and whomever he may be, to contemplate for a moment the events of the past few hours and to give thanks in his own individual way. Then he reached for the wine and bread he'd brought to space, the first foods ever poured or eaten on the moon. I poured the wine into the chalice our church had given me in the one-sixth gravity of the moon. The wine curled slowly and gracefully up the side of the cup, (laughs) he later wrote. Then Aldrin read some scripture and ate the communion wafer. Armstrong looked on quietly but did not participate. Aldrin felt that the service should be broadcast to the entire world. But atheist activist Madeline Murray O'Hare, remember her, John? Oh, yeah, certainly. Once dubbed the most hated woman in America for her high-profile activism on behalf of the separation of church and state, indirectly doomed the communion service. A few months earlier, O'Hare had sued NASA after Apollo 8 astronauts read the book of Genesis during a broadcast made on Christmas Day 1968 when they became the first humans to orbit the moon. Okay. In other words, let me pause here. Yeah, these are pioneers. These guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, in '68, they orbited. No one had done that. In '69, right. they're going to land on it. And, and, and as you look back in that context, this was a big deal. Yeah, this was a big deal to get out of that thing and walk on the moon. Right. Even though it was all done on a sound set in Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I believe they did it. Though O'Hare's case was ultimately dismissed, it made, an impact, it made an impression on NASA officials who worried that any overtly religious display might open the agency to another lawsuit. When Aldrin told the flight crew operations manager about his plans to broadcast his communion service, the manager told him to go ahead and have communion, but keep your comments more general. They were afraid 50 years ago. Wow. wow. We think what we're dealing with today is new. Though the press didn't, uh, though the press did report the fact that Aldrin would bring communion bread on the spacecraft, he kept the ceremony low key and, out of respect for the debate over religion on the moon, kept the ceremony confined to the spacecraft and not the surface of the moon. So they kowtowed to the uh, to the uh, uh, the fifty nine Pontiac right. uh, hearse. <laughs> Aldrin wasn't the only astronaut to experience religious rituals in space. In 1994, three Catholic astronauts took communion on board Space Shuttle Endeavor. Israeli astronaut Ilhan Ramon reportedly recited the Jewish Shabbat Kiddush prayer in space. He later died when Shuttle Columbia exploded in 03. And Russian cosmonaut Sergei Rishorshepreper uh, took a relic of St. Seraphim of Sarnoff, a Russian Orthodox saint, to space in 2017. The first space communion was only experienced by two men, but it hasn't been forgotten by the wider world. I did not know about it. Lunar Communion Sunday is still celebrated annually at Webster Presbyterian and elsewhere to commemorate the event, and Aldrin spoke and wrote about the experience later in life. However, the low-key nature of the ceremony in in space itself later led to rumors that it happened in secret. Aldra may not have resorted to skullduggery to consume communion aboard the lunar module, but he ended up regretting it. In his 2010 
memoir he wrote that he'd come to wonder if he'd done the right thing by celebrating a Christian ritual in space. We had come to space in the name of all mankind, be they Christians, Jews, Muslims, animists, agnostics, or atheists, he wrote. But at the time, I could think of no better way to acknowledge the Apollo 11 experience than by giving thanks to God. <laughs> well, wow. Which I, I can understand. That Why wouldn't you? You're, you're, this is a momentous... <laughs> Thank God. First moment. of all, we landed. Yeah, hey, right. Thank God, God we landed. <laughs> now we got to get out of this damn thing right. and walk around. And then go back home. But 50 years ago, they were afraid of. Larry, we waited and we waited. waited. Neil, and waited. where were you? We waited and waited and waited. Remember when Buzz, about three, four years ago, decked a conspiracy theorist? Uh, and Buzz was 80 or somewhere. Yeah, I vaguely that. remember that. I vaguely do. The guy walked up to him to say, uh, he apparently this guy was well known as a conspiracy theorist about the moon be, moon landing being shot on the soundstage. And he he wasn't the to, former governor, that type of conspiracy <laughs> theorist. No. Well, kind of, yeah, same kind of guy. And he huh. walked up to Buzz and said, Buzz, what are you going to admit? Blah, blah, blah. Buzz hauled off and let him have one. <laughs> good, good. 80-year-old good. Bud. Man, that's a story Buzz. I'd never heard. No, I hadn't either. I have either. never known that. Why oh, did it never, come out now? Uh, some, his, some reflection done by the History Channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, our chief offside correspondent uh, has his eye on uh, many cups. And he found that and thought we'd find that interesting. Let's, interesting. Uh, let's come back and bring uh, John Hyde aboard for a newscast. He's a man who spends hours in hardware stores. Sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Cicero. Here's John Hype. Thank you, Joe. Uh, we talked about Lindsey Vaughn last week. Yes. Uh, Lindsey won the bronze medal in the downhill in the final race of her career. Uh, it's a medal that brings Vaughn full circle. The Americans' two silvers at the 2007 Worlds on the same course were the first two major championship medals of her career. Uh, Ilka Stulhek of Slovenia defended her title. Uh, she took first, Vaughn coming in second, 0.49 seconds behind her. Vaughn said she's retiring from skiing after competing in the World Championships. Uh, basically, didn't we find out last week she has no uh, MCL in one Right. right. Uh, there's nothing there. Ouch. Yet. I like Lindsay as much as the next guy. But she's kind of becoming the kiss of, know <laughs> this time I'm really retiring. Yeah, she's got a, I mean, let's, let's hope she, well, she'll probably do um, announcing, play-by-play. Sure. Or skiing or whatever. Do whatever she wants. She's got a few bucks. Yeah. News headlines, regional transit ridership in the Twin Cities metro area reached $94.2 million. In 2018, representing a 1.3% decrease from the year before, that according to the Met Council. The ridership number combines the number of riders on all types of transit and by all of the region's transit providers. However, a release notes ridership on the Metro Green and Blue Light Rail Lines as well as the A-Line Rapid Bus Transit Service reached new highs. Ridership on the Green Line, which runs between downtown Minneapolis and downtown St. Paul, it's the one that runs right by us, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Green Line. Reached 13.8 million in 2018, up 5% from the year before. Ridership on the Blue Line reached more than 11 million, up 3.9% over 12 million of whom did not pay. <laughs> yes, right. sir, Reavers. I, uh, I rode the train. I parked at one terminal of the airport, but flew home to a different terminal. I see. So I rode it for, what is that, a Three-minute ride. Yeah, through the tunnel. I was harassed more on that on that ride back because I didn't give anybody their due. What's that mean? Well, it was <clears throat> it was about 1 o'clock in the morning on yeah. Friday night into Saturday. Right. 
and there was a lot of home. What I'm assuming are, were homeless people. That they were have living, been living on the train, which that I have no issue with that whatsoever. What I have an issue of is I'm just getting on with with my backpack while my family's waiting for me to go get the car and come back and get them. Yeah. Hey, where's mine? Where's mine? I thought, what are you talking? Wait, they about? They wanted money. They wanted money. I really? said, and I, I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, so you're being given the chance to escape the cold, and now you're going to harass all the people that are getting on it. And I actually paid a fare and realized I didn't have to. You don't have to. Really. But I still bought a ticket anyway. Were other people getting on along with you? No, I was the only one that got on that stop, but apparently it had been happening because there was somebody else that got off and said, and the guy looked at me and said, I wouldn't get on that if I was you. But well, I didn't have an option. That was my well, only option. Why didn't option. you get on a different car? I didn't have another option. Oh. I, you know, you get on, the door is shut. You don't, you can't get off the thing. Well, did you beat anybody up? No, because I knew <laughs> I was only going to be on it for about two minutes. And yeah. I thought, this is, no wonder nobody rides this thing. Well, apparently there's been some uh, dust up about uh, some of the unfortunate have been staying at the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where they're on their way to. Doesn't that train go from where it dropped sure. you off to yes. the mall? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Governor Tim Walz. Well, what's, the, what's the dust up at the mall? What's going on? I don't. Well, the security chiefs at the mall uh, uh, feel that this creates a problem for them to have uh, oh, I this suppose. population sure. living at the mall, and and uh, he, he's under fire for being insensitive and uh, uh, whatever. I don't and know. There was one guy. Um, he had a, a looked like a wrapped sandwich from a chain restaurant. Yeah, and he was looking around. And goes, they ain't got no microwave on this thing. <laughs> really. <laughs> Where's the yeah. bathroom? Yeah, Governor, It's not a Motel 6, sir. Right. It's just a train. Governor Tim Walz and Minnesota's top two legislative leaders have agreed on deadlines that they say will avert any chance at a high-stakes poker game at the end of the session and avoid a government shutdown. Walz, Democratic House Speaker Melissa Hortman, and Republican Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka announced a series of deadlines for committees and floor actions Monday morning that they say will bring the session to an orderly conclusion by the May 20th deadline. They told reporters it also means that debates will take place in public rather than behind closed doors in the final days of the session. If this agreement sticks, it would be a contrast with a very chaotic session last year with a lot of major proposals were folded at the end into one enormous bill that then-Governor Mark Dayton vetoed. Uh, more of an update story we talked about last hour. And now Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her top lieutenants Monday morning sharply condemning Representative Ilhan Omar for using what's being called anti-Semitic remarks and called on her to immediately apologize in uh, rebuke of an extraordinary kind by fellow Democrats. The major- majority leader, Pelosi, uh, also Steny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn, and other party leaders said in a statement Congresswoman Omar's use of anti-Semitic tropes and prejudicial accusations about Israel's supporters is deeply offensive. We condemn these remarks and we call upon Congresswoman Omar to immediately apologize. Pelosi said in a tweet that Monday that she had talked with Omar and the two had agreed that, quote, we must use this moment to move forward as we reject anti-Semitism in all its forms. You know what Pelosi and her uh, people of her age have? Uh, They've got a handful there. With Omar. Oh, yeah. They've got a handful. I think they're realizing that now. Mm-hmm. A lot of Americans filling out their 2018 taxes are uh, being surprised to learn that their refunds will be less than they expected. Or no. Refunds. Refund? Who gets or, a refund? Or that they owe money to the IRS after years of getting refunds. People have already taken to social media using the hashtag GOP tax scam to vent their anger. A lot are blaming President Trump and the Republicans for their shrinking refunds. Some on Twitter even said they wouldn't vote for Trump again after seeing their refunds slashed. 
All of this, of course, follows the passage of the major overhaul of the tax code in December 2017, which was enacted with only Republican votes and is considered the biggest legislative achievement so far of Trump's first year in office. Not here, because it hasn't been uh, conjoined yet with right. the state with the taxes state. in Minnesota. Yeah. While the vast majority of Americans received a tax cut in 2018, refunds are a different matter. Some refunds have decreased because of changes in the law, such as a new limit on property and local income tax deductions. Some have decreased because of how the IRS has altered withholding in paychecks. IRS spokesman cautioned not to read too much into early data because it reflects only returns processed through February 1st and the partial government shutdown caused delays in processed filings. Early data can shift a lot, tax experts say. There's reason to believe frustration could rise as more Americans finish up their tax returns this year. The GOA, the General uh, GAO, excuse me, Government Accountability Office, warned last summer that the number of tax filers who get refunds likely will drop for the 2018 tax year. I like the IRS rep. Yeah, don't look into nah, it. You don't have to. Totally you know what? We got it. We don't need, right. uh, we'll tell you later. You'll be all right. Uh, Kim, uh, this is a very tough name to pronounce. I have to be very hard here. Uh, very <clears throat> smart. Kim Fook. Ooh. Known as, do you know who Kim F-U-K? is? F-U-C-H. No. P-H. F-U what? P-H. Oh. F-U-P-H? <laughs> huh? P-H. Fook. Now, we should all know who this is, and we will once I tell you who she is. She's known as the Napalm Girl. In the, oh, ni- yeah. the 1972 Vietnam War photo, uh, she's getting 11. 11- oh, is she oh, the yeah. poor girl walking the little- down the street without any clothes yes. yes. Oh, my yep. God, help me. She's receiving a $11,350 award in Germany for her work for peace. Organizers of the Dresden Prize say the 55-year-old who now lives in Canada is being honored Monday for her support of UNESCO and children wounded in war and for speaking out publicly against violence and hatred she was nine when a South Vietnamese plane dropped napalm bombs uh, bombs on her village, believing it harbored enemy North Vietnamese troops. The scene of Phuc running down a road crying naked and with burns across her body, captured by mm. Associated Press photographer Nick Utt, and Utt won a Pulitzer Prize for that photo in 1973. What's her first name? Kim. Michelle. Kim? Oh, Kim. Kim, sorry. Kim, Kim. Phuc. Yep. All right. Veteran rocker Joe Walsh's four-acre equestrian property in Encinitas, California, recently popped up on the market, asking price two million eight hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. How many acres? That's cheap. It's the ideal spot for, I believe. Four, right? okay. Four acres. Four acres. Okay. Oh, I That's thought you nothing. said forty. I was like, four. Nope. Okay. That's it, nothing. Yeah. It's the ideal spot for a horse ranch. The land is flat. It's adjacent to miles of riding trails. It also boasts an arena. Pastures, corrals, attack rooms, stalls for six horses, and even a horse shower. Why is, he studio. Selling, why is he selling it, Johnny? Well, he's got about a million places you'll see in a minute Oh, here. okay. The main house was originally built in 1997. It has undergone some renovations. Uh, 5,635 square feet, six bedrooms, and five and a half baths. Walsh and his fifth wife, Marjorie Bach, Ooh. sister of Barbara Bach, who's married to Ringo Starr, oh. bought the sprawling property in 2007 for a little over $3 million dollars. The world-renowned guitarist has a number of other properties, including some in the same area of California. But this particular horse ranch is where Walsh entertained diverse musical artists, from members of the Eagles to Burt Bacharach, according to the listing agents. Uh, In addition to the equestrian amenities, the property includes a yoga pavilion, a sport court, and a swimming pool designed for doing laps. Yoga pavilion. Mm -hmm. Walsh uh, once... Gotta have a pavilion. (laughs) Walsh, once known for his partying, drug use, and drinking, has now been sober for 25 years. Hmm. Uh, good for you. 
<laughs> that didn't sound sincere. Oh, man, good for him. There was a wonderful article in Vanity Fair, the last issue, where they interviewed, I don't know, eight people, perhaps, uh, rockers that we'd know who have uh, stopped using mm-hmm. substances. He was one of them they interviewed. Uh, and uh, he said he would, he'd would he be dead 20 years, he said. Oh, absolutely. If, if he hadn't stopped, he'd, yeah. he'd have been dead 20 years ago. Didn't yeah. Vanity Fair also, though, do a similar piece on Petty about the clean living he had transitioned to? That I didn't see. No, I, I, don't know I mean, years ago. Yeah. Years ago, they did a yeah. piece well, on he, him. Well, Petty was a horrible heroin addict for a while. Right. So he did clean up, obviously. I mean, he died from medicinal. Got it. Yeah. He died from the same thing Prince did. Right. The same drug. Got it. You know what? I'm never, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm never going to die of a heroin overdose. No. Yeah. And I'm never taking an opioid. No. There's no, you know what it is? Unnecessary risk. Give me some ass. But meth, I think I'm I'm really leaning into. I might have a shot. You'd be good. You'd be good. <laughs> Prince Philip has decided to stop driving at the they age of... He took his keys, huh, John? Yep. No, he just can't find them. At the age of... <laughs> they hit him on. <laughs> at the age of 97, less than a month after he was involved in a collision that left two women injured... That, according to Buckingham Palace, prosecutors said they would consider the decision as they mull charging the husband of Queen Elizabeth II over the January 17th crash. The statement from Buckingham Palace said, after careful consideration, the Duke of Edinburgh has taken the decision to voluntarily surrender his driving license. He was behind the wheel of a Land Rover near the royal family's Sandringham, Sandringham estate in eastern England when he smashed into another car on January 17th. Philip had to be helped out of the vehicle, but uh, he wasn't injured. His vehicle actually ended up on its roof. It was overturned. Two women, though, in the other car were injured, not seriously. Police said Philip and the other driver were both given breath tests for alcohol, and they both passed. He was photographed driving again two days later. Without a seatbelt. You know what I wondered about that story? Huh. How old is he? 97? 97. Where was he going? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you're the king. You're the wife. You're, you're, your wife can get whatever you need. She can call up somebody and say, bring it to Thank you. Thank you. Run this over to Philip. Where the hell was he going? A, uh, Wherever it was, he had to get there. Get yeah. some milk. Just, yeah. just drive it around. I guess he was just driving around. What yeah. was the name of the city? Uh, Sandringham Estate. Sandringham. Yes, he said it was a Sandringham. Sandringham State, yes. I'm an appointment. Yes. Rook's two front teeth always come yes, out. Yes, of course. <laughs> but they're uh, finely polished as opposed to my uh, British friend, yes. Norfolk police confirmed Saturday that the prince had voluntarily surrendered his license to officers. Well, it's, it was time, John. It, it was yeah. time, yeah. yeah. It's okay to forget where your car keys are. It's not okay to forget what they're for. That's it. Exactly. That's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah. And old uh, old uh, Prince there, he, he got to the point where he forgot what they were for. Probably to the pub. I don't know where he's going. For a pint. He's the Prince. He can right. get somebody. You know what? He has, he's got people. Oh, well, he doesn't have a driver, apparently. Apparently not. Now he does. All right, Garage Logicians. You can check out the podcast, of course, at garagelogic.com. But we also want you to rate us on Apple iTunes. So we can get your feedback. Emails, gljoe at garagelogic.com. Reavers, what's yours? C. Reavers. C. Reavers, R-E-U-V-E-R-S at garagelogic.com. Rookie at garagelogic.com. And just send us, if you have a message for hype, just send it to us. Check it out, garagelogic.com. We'll catch you next time.